0: And when I spoke to some state experts last month, um, they said about half of the lake bed was exposed. And of course, as we just said, it's going to keep increasing.
1: Good Wednesday morning, and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Dayton Nolander. For our first story, we're going to be talking about the Great Salt Lake. I spoke with reporter Leah Larson about the famous landmark and what's being done to keep it from disappearing completely. Hi, Leah. Thanks for joining the podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So you had a story published Tuesday about the Great Salt Lake. Can you tell us what's happening out there?
0: Well, for the second year in a row, unfortunately, um, our Great Salt Lake has hit a record low, which is concerning for a whole variety of reasons.
1: Um, Can we expect this trend to continue going forward?
0: We definitely can, at least in the short term. Um, I'm sure you've been outside and experienced this insanely hot weather we're having. And if you think about the Great Salt Lake, it's basically just a giant puddle. And what happens to a puddle when it's exposed to really hot weather? It evaporates. So we're expecting the lake just to keep, even though it's at a record low, we're expecting as it did last year when it hit a record low to keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking during these hot months until things cool off around last year, it was October. Who knows where it will be this year, but probably, you know, sometime fall, early winter.
1: Okay. And so when you go out and visit the Great Salt Lake, like an antelope island, uh, it's really hard not to notice how much the lake has shrunk. Um, How much of the lake bed is currently uncovered, and what does that mean for residents who live nearby?
0: That's a great question. So the lake throughout its history is kind of fluctuated. It rises and it falls. Um, But the state kind of measures it by sort of an average meander line. And when I spoke to some state experts last month, Um, They said about half of the lake bed was exposed. And of course, as we just said, it's going to keep increasing, but we're right around half of the lake bed being above water.
1: Wow. And again, what does that mean for for the residents who live um, kind of in that area?
0: Well, I guess if you like recreating on the water, it means you're going to have to go a lot farther to get to it. Um, I think near Spiral Jetty, it takes about a mile walk to get to the water. But more importantly, for people living not even close to the lake, but just along the Wasatch Front, um, as this lake bed continues to be exposed to the air and the elements, the salt crust on top of it is getting eroded away. And that is going to start kicking up hot spots of dust. So it's going to create a big particulate air pollution problem. I think we're all familiar with what air particulate pollution is because of our winter inversions. Um, So similar kind of thing, but it's going to be from lake bed dust. And that lake bed, unfortunately, because of historical mining practices, contains some really icky pollutants like arsenic and mercury.
1: Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, So the state legislature this past session seemed to make saving the Great Salt Lake uh, a big focal point of theirs. Um, What are some of the measures that they've passed? And when will we see those begin to have an effect on the lake? Uh,
0: That's another great question. So yeah, it was, I mean, we did see a deluge of water-related Great Salt Lake related bills, relatively speaking, usually, you know, water legislation is kind of like no man's land in the legislature because it's so entrenched. Um, but this past session we did see some investment, some big investment in the lake. One big ticket item of note is $250 million earmarked to help fund secondary water meters for every almost every secondary connection in the state, which will, you know, help people realize how much they're pouring onto their lawns and hopefully they'll cut back some more of that water reaches the lake so it's kind of like a trickle down effect to the lake And uh, a more direct investment it was a 40 million dollar trust set aside um, that's going to be managed by the audubon society and the nature conservancy to help um, invest in the lake help make sure it gets more water to improve its health and and then to ask answer the second part of your question when will we start seeing impacts from those investments I mean, who can say? Definitely, probably not this year. Um, Uh Is it enough? Is it a drop in the bucket? I mean, it's great to see investment, but is it enough? I mean, time will tell, I guess.
1: Certainly. Well, I'm sure we'll all be watching the lake uh, with interest over the coming months and years. Leah, thanks so much for taking the time to talk.
0: Yeah, thanks for your interest in the lake.
1: You can find Leah's latest reporting on the Great Salt Lake at sltrib.com. And today's final story stems from an email interaction between a Utah state lawmaker and one of his constituents. After the U.S. Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, Provo resident Shayla McDonald wrote to Republican Senator Kurt Bramble, who represents her in the state legislature. In her email, she noted feeling scared and asked Bramble what Utah's abortion trigger law would mean for women in the state. Just moments later, 18 minutes later to be precise... Just moments later, 18 minutes later to be precise, McDonald received a reply from her state senator. Bramble responded with a single sentence, reading, and I'm quoting here, The explanation is that the trigger law will stop the barbaric slaughter of innocent unborn children. End quote. As reporter Courtney Tanner detailed in her story, the pithy answer may be indicative of more systemic problems in the state, specifically up on Capitol Hill. When Courtney called Bramble to ask about the email, the lawmaker shouted at her and repeated his answer in the email he sent to McDonald. Courtney's story has published, and you can read it at sltrib.com. And that's all we have for you today. A big thanks to Salt Lake City Band, the Pelicans for our music, and to Danny Rubio for producing today's and yesterday's episodes. We'll be back with more news tomorrow.